0: the
1: supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, does it? AM 1420 WBSF presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Pascoe.
2: Think? think we can get two hours worth of theme song tonight? No? We can stretch it. All right. Well, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, who has his microphone back tonight. Uh, hooray. Yeah, were you, were you itching to say things last week? Aren't I always? Yeah, well, I always think you are, but you never do. I wish you would. And you're going to have to tonight because we don't have a guest. We do have science advisor Matt Moniz in the studio, though. How are you tonight, Matt?
3: Oh, I'm excited, actually.
2: You were telling us uh, before we went on the air about some activity going on at uh, the Lizzie Borden and Bed and Breakfast tonight.
3: Yep, I just got back from there. Some and interesting stuff right. happening tonight.
2: Why don't you share for everybody uh, some of the stuff that's going on?
3: Uh, I was there to meet, uh, actually, fellow fans and listeners of the show. Um, and as the tour was being um, given, I was sitting in the uh, parlor. Uh, next to me was uh, a girl by the name of Renee who you guys know and uh, after a few minutes of the tour guide giving a lecture about the room and the things in the room she took one of the pictures that was between Renee and I on the table talked about the object on the picture and then she handed me the picture to put back on the stand I put the, I personally put the picture back on the stand and situated the stand in a perfect manner so it, you know, looked like it was aesthetically the way it was. You don't want to
2: break anything there either.
3: Yeah, pretty much, and I just wanted to make sure it was returned exactly right the way it was supposed to be. Five to ten minutes later, that same picture picked up about three to four inches off the top of the table and started rotating and spinning and flew out, you know, a good two and a half feet, landing right next to the table and the... uh, couch in front of the people. The stand flew off and wound up underneath my chair. I mean, it was moved with significant force. It's not like it just fell off the table. This thing was jolted and jolted hard.
2: Now, when you say it went up in the air, did it go up and hover and then move it, forward or was it all in one perpetual motion?
3: It, it, it's kind of hard to explain. It went up straight And then shot forward.
2: So it was almost to the point where you could almost notice that it was up in the air first. That's what caught
3: my attention, yeah. It came up to my eye height and then rapidly rotated and spun because I I was watching the stand still on the pitcher up in the air. Now, if it fell off the stand, the stand would fall on the floor and the pitcher would go somewhere different. This was pitcher and stand and all leaping up and then spinning and then... that yep. shot the you know the standoff in one direction, the pitcher going in the other.
2: And I say it's funny because you know after the tour is over, everybody sets up all their equipment and they get ready to document right. the activity, and it's it figures that it would happen during the tour uh, when nobody could really capture it. But uh, there was also, and for the people at Lizzie Borden's that are probably listening, hopefully right now, uh, one of the things that we were able to do the last time we were there, Matt Moniz had gone home, but I stayed with our friend Jeanette Osborne and some other investigators, Mike and Tammy from South Shore. Uh, ghost hunting and technology.
3: The house I the there, Liz, is there getting ready to do seances tonight.
2: Ah, well, then she knows she knows we're talking about her, even if she's not listening. But we were there. Uh, we were all hanging out in the other um, living room, the other parlor, where Mr. Borden was actually killed. Uh, I was sitting on the floor in front of the couch right. that he was killed on. And we actually got the clock to slow down. By just asking it to, which was really neat. So I, I mentioned to Renee to try to get it to happen again. Tonight.
3: And uh, uh, as we got there, the uh, tour guide had to reset the clock.
2: Really? Why is that? Because
3: it it the clock had stopped.
2: <laughs> Maybe they were trying it and it worked. But uh, so yeah, so give that a try if you can, and and see if it works because it did for us. But I mean, it happened to us at like two o'clock in the morning, so we're starting to wonder if it's just that we're all collectively tired. But for everybody to have. Realize that it slowed down at the same time. You know, I I did put a little stock into it. Matt Coss is over here just shaking his head because he doesn't believe any of this stuff.
3: He's of the opinion that somebody just didn't wind it tight enough because it is a wind up clock.
2: It is.
4: Well, I mean what, at two o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Everybody's staring at a clock.
2: Yeah. Seven so Well that's the thing, is the next time we'll try it at like seven o'clock at night. Exactly. See if we can pull it off again. But uh, as, in case you haven't figured it out, this is Spooky South Coast. This is where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night, and uh, we are here to talk to you about all things strange and unusual: ghosts, UFOs, uh, remote viewing. We talked about a few weeks ago. Government conspiracies. We've talked. We've talked about those cryptozoology. The, uh, cryptozoology um, pirates. Pirates. We, we talked about <laughs> pirates and rocks actually, which was a couple of very interesting episodes. You you, you wouldn't think a show about rocks was so fascinating, but it was. Yeah, we just talk
3: about... Haunted your, baseball uh, mm-hmm. stadiums.
2: Yeah, we we talk about things that you don't hear on the radio the rest of the time, and if you've had any kind of experiences or maybe some questions about things in the paranormal realm, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508 500 for Wareham and the Cape. Now, each and every week we're on here, we broadcast on the uh, airwaves here at WBSM, we stream online on our website, com live, so if you've been listening on podcasts and you didn't realize that you can listen to us live. Uh, and also we do podcast the show out on iTunes and various other podcasting services and on our website, com. So if you go back and listen to some of these older episodes, if you're new to the program, you'll see that we have a guest each and every week. We bring somebody relative to the field or or to an interesting topic that we think the listeners will enjoy and that we want to learn about ourselves or or find out more about ourselves we bring these people on to the show. We've had some great names and some great guests uh over the years and t- almost 2 years now, guys. We get ready to to party hardy soon. Woo. Woohoo. But uh we we bring on these guests and we let them tell the story because you know, we're just here to act as facilitators between you know this information and the listening audience. Uh, but tonight we don't have a guest. We're going to try to do something a little bit different. We're going to open up the phone lines.
3: Tonight, everyone is the guest.
2: Basically. I mean, we talked last week about South Coast haunts, about two very good cases uh, of documented activity here in the South Coast, one in Westport and one in the Cushnet, and uh, if you are waiting to hear that online, we will get it up. I, you know, stupid me, I'm trying to upload the show. We did a big three-hour extravaganza, and I've been wondering for three days why it wouldn't upload to the Internet, and then I finally realized it's so big it's okay. uh, Yeah, it doesn't fit in our up, in our uploading limit, so I have to break the show in half or cut some stuff out, but I'll just break it so that nobody misses any part of the discussion. But we will get, up, get that up there for you, but we figured with two very well documented cases last week, very interesting stuff, maybe it's time that we talk to people about the stuff going on in their own homes. We've been on for almost two years now. You've been listening to us. You know us. You trust us. You know that we're going to believe you. You know that we're not here to make fun of you if you call up and you know say i think i have a ghost in my house we're not going to laugh at you and you know say that you're dumb or that you're you know spitting in the face of god or whatever else people might tell you whatever else you're afraid you might hear we actually are here to believe you to listen to help and to maybe help you figure out some of the stuff that's going on so if you want to share with us 508-996-0500 508-291-0500 and we're talking anything strange and unusual that's ever happened You know, uh, everything from deja vu to abduction by aliens. Everything in between. And uh, speaking of abduction by aliens, uh, I just want to throw a mention for our friends at Starborn Support again because uh, they are getting up there and in full swing. They're they're really starting to make some strides with uh, getting people, not only in the New England area who have been abductees or or think that they might have been abductees, but they're... Around the country, actually. And it just goes to show you, you know, these support groups are needed and a lot of p- times people are afraid to you know go down to their local whatever you know whatever kind of counseling they have whatever they offer and share these experiences i know you know I, I know a counselor very well and and he said that people won't talk about this stuff with them even if they think that that's what's going on they they won't mention it because they're afraid that they're going to get locked up they're afraid that they're going to get seen as crazy or nuts so it's good that there's groups like starborn support that can you know take you at face value right away
3: because all the members of starboard support are originally you know people that it experiences themselves it's it's kind of like a group therapy thing for people you know that have all gone through the same experiences because they can share you know the same feelings they know what it's like to go through it so they they help support each other
2: and also at the same time you know maybe they can help in addition to supporting each other, they can help chip away some of the mystery as well because they can share like experiences and, you know, here's my experiences that I can recall. Here's what I can recall. Here's what's been, you know, blocked from my memory. They can kind of put these all together and it kind of gives you a, a sampling of what the abduction experience is like. Somebody such as yourself, when, when you're talking to these people and dealing with these people, that's what you're looking for.
3: Yeah, I'm looking for a lot of the similarities, but not every case is, you know, exactly the same. Everyone is an individual. You know, we're all unique, and we all have unique experiences. Yeah, granted, there are boilerplate, you know, boiler pot type of um, experience circumstances, mm-hmm. but not every one of these abductees or experiencers has every single one of them. I mean, every every experience is unique and different.
2: And somebody who's been abducted over time can offer some insight to somebody who is a recent abductee, recent, you know, new abductee. And say, here's what's been going on with me and, you know, here's what you have to look forward to type of situation.
3: Yeah. Or do you remember this happening in your past? A lot of times when people recognize what's going on, it's usually later on in life that they're realizing it.
2: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that not everybody has the same experience. That, that brings to my mind a question. In your opinion, somebody who's been investigating this stuff for longer, almost as long as I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> Take a little dig at you early. But... Do you think that whoever is abducting all these people, do you think it's the same, quote-unquote, race of aliens? Do you think it's the same people? Or do you think that there's different races, different groups of these aliens, and that's why some of the things might differ in the experience?
3: Uh, If you're asking for my personal opinion. Your personal opinion. uh, My personal opinion, I I, know a lot of people are going to get mad at me, especially the people I've done the work with. A lot of the people, a vast majority of them, are people that are having a a cerebral experience. In other words, most of the experience is actually happening in their head.
2: I noticed uh, that you use the term cerebral and not psychotic.
3: I was trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> I was going to say,
2: well, uh, I was going to are you being diplomatic or do you see it as a difference? Do you see it not it as is, a psychosis? No, no it
3: actually is a difference. Um, not to say that the experience for the person isn't any less real. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I can... Take images and put them into your head using, you know, uh, various techniques used with, um, like, things like video and and what have you. That's a known thing that we can do and induce certain things into your head. Um, Who's to say that these people are experiencing this in their head and it's being broadcast to them in some means? Not necessarily saying it's alien. Not necessarily saying it could be the government or anything like that, but for whatever reason. Yeah, you know,
2: I mean, somebody just in their life could be manipulating them. or Right. Uh, you know, the term psychosis would involve, or, or, you know, a psychotic event would imply the negative connotations of it, that it's some sort of illness or some sort of malfunction. But by calling it something cerebral, you know, it, it's kind of more transcendent. Right, it, it, your, your mind is leaving, you know, the normal plane of consciousness that it's on, and it's going to, you know, maybe the subconscious or the, the what some people call, refer to as the ether.
3: Yeah. Well, the person's mental id, mm-hmm. right? the, inner, the inner person, uh, for whatever reason. Now, with most psychosis, it bleeds into the rest of their lives, and those are generally easier to discern. Uh, the difference with, a tr- you know, these abductees is it's just this one little facet. The rest of their life is completely normal like everyone else. In most mental um, type of illnesses, it affects more than one aspect of your day-to-day life. There's other things that go along with it that these abductees do not show.
2: But also, I mean, I'll I'll also say that that probably relates to the individual as well and how they can, first of all, their coping mechanisms for dealing with what happened and also the possibility that, you know, things haven't been fully revealed to them. True. You know, like, I know that in my own experiences uh, growing up younger, and I had experiences where I would, at least in my memories, and my parents say that this isn't true, but I remember waking up in places other than my house. I remember waking up with feelings that there's somebody in the house, and, you know, it it reaches a certain point, and then that's it. It doesn't grow any. So I don't think that I've had abduction experiences and that these are just the beginnings of, I, I think I had something going on, some sort of uh, paranoia. But I don't think that I had, you know, abduction experiences and I'm just getting little pieces of it. And then if I keep digging away, I'll find more. But then again, you know, is that a subconscious coping? I, I, I mean, I don't think and I don't want to dig. I'll say that.
3: There you go. You're comfortable with what you got going on in your life right now and you don't have any questions. Then, yeah, you're, you're going about it the right way. It's the people that have had these experiences and it's a starting to affect their lives yes that's what starborn and other places like you know bud's intruders foundation and uh, a whole host of others you know i've been working with bud now going on 20 something years and i've worked with a lot of the know a lot of the same people in, in his books they're personal friends of mine and i've known these people for years and to see what happened to them and how it affected them and not just them their family a lot of people forget you know Uh, these people aren't alone in this. Their their families are affected, too, even though they may not be directly, you know, involved in uh, an abduction experience. They are peripherally Mm -hmm. involved. Uh, You know, I remember one particular case. um, uh, Kids, uh, preteen, but still, you know, 8, 9, and 11, watching their mother get abducted in front of them and not being able to move or do anything about it. They but, weren't themselves taken, but...
2: They, they, but they were in a state of paralysis is, as, right. a, as a...
3: Right, and you have three individual witnesses all watching that, including the person taken. Mm-hmm. You know, it it affects the entire... It can affect the entire family.
2: Well, not only that, too. If it does start to reach the point where the person being abducted can't deal with it, it'll have same effects as any other problem that somebody internalizes and doesn't speak out and share, you know, the, the same moodiness. Uh, yeah, you know, snap, they get self I've you know.
3: lost quite a few friends to suicide because of it, yeah. A lot of people I've known, yeah.
2: And that's the one thing that, whether you believe in UFO abduction or not, and I'm sure a good portion of our audience listening, you know, right now doesn't agree with it, doesn't believe in it, doesn't think that it's happening. I, I understand that our audience is enlightened yeah. and they're well-informed and they've been listening to us for the last few years, and so they're starting to realize, you know, that there's something going on. But there are people listening that will say, hey, that's a crock. But even the people... they are right too. Yeah. Absolutely. But even the people who say, hey, that's a crock, will still recognize the, the fact that there are people that do believe that this has happened to them and can't deal with it. So even they'll recognize that it's a problem in terms of there's something wrong with these people and they need support. And so, therefore, even those people should keep in mind a group like Starborn Support because it offers an alternative. Right. It, it, it could end up turning into a bunch of crazy people sitting in a room talking about the fact that they were abducted by aliens and none of it's true.
3: But if it's helping them it, get exactly. along, that's all, all that matters. Exactly. And of who course, are they, we, Who are they hurting other than, you know, a, a clock that's ticking on the wall? They're, all they're doing is they're, they're killing time talking with each other if it makes them feel better. And it doesn't, you know, put them in a circumstance where they want to put a gun to their head or put a rope around their neck. Hey. Sit there and talk about it with each other all you want.
2: And, and just to qualify what I just said, so I don't get a thousand angry emails from listeners, I do believe that these people have had these occurrences, and I know that there's proof out there. So I just want to—I was just playing devil's advocate there. I don't want people to be like, how can you say that? You've done shows. No, but and there's hurt. also,
3: sorry to interrupt, there's uh-huh. also a bunch of wacko crackpots out there that are muddying the waters as well. Absolutely. I've, I know uh, quite a few real abductees. These, these are people that, in my mind... I, I know, have experienced something beyond what, what the norm is. And no earthly explanation or excuses can be made for what, what these people have gone through. Like I said, one particular case, when you're dealing with people that watch the event happen, multiple people watching the event happen, all agreeing that this is what happened, it, it rules out that this person is just mentally having delusions. You don't have several people all having the same delusion at the same time. And uh, you want, if you really want to know, the term mass hysteria is actually a hoax. There's no real such thing as mass hysteria other than what you get with – it's actually a mob mentality. Mm-hmm. And that that is triggered by an event that everybody reacts to. Okay. So the, if it was
2: actually mass hysteria, that would be – you know, everybody losing control at the same time, time over, that's over less over likely to happen right. than somebody saying something and somebody else, you know, latching on to that idea. Right. Okay. I get what you're saying there. Well, while we're on the subject of, of UFOs and, and UFO abductions, let's take this a little bit further. Uh, it's we, We've talked, I've talked to you off the air in the past about the, uh, especially with the the, uh, the article in the book that you've been working on and, and some of the photos that you've had, but... It seems like, and I, I pointed out in one photograph that you showed me, I said, wow, that kind of looks like a toy compared with the UFOs that we've seen in photos today. Yeah. And part of that is the evolution of hoaxing, that we were able to do better hoaxing pictures so that when you're when you're looking at photos of UFOs on the internet, as we do all week long, you know, you got to think 95% of what you're seeing is going to be phony, so we're... You know, seeing the evolution of the hoaxing, but even the legitimate UFO photos, what we believe to be legitimate, we've seen an increase in the technology that they're showing. Was there, and we can go back to to Betty and Barney Hill, is probably the point, was that the turning point when it stopped just being ships in the sky and all of a sudden these abductions happening?
3: No, there have actually been abduction reports that go back thousands of years.
2: But in terms of the... And I know that you talk about UFO flaps, but I think that overall, in this course of mankind that we're in right now, we're in a huge UFO flap.
3: Yes, activity of unknown aerial objects has been dramatically increased over the last year, I guess.
2: Oh, I just, no, I mean since, like, the late 40s. Oh, I yeah. I think this period in our human history is a very large UFO flap.
3: It seems every 20 years there's a major flap, and mm-hmm. every two years activity will increase uh, in other words, it, 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 they've also noted, or so, I didn't note it, but somebody else noted that major activity occurs with a close approach to Mars. Okay. Every, t- every time Earth and Mars get very close to each other every two years, and every two years, the UFO cycle events happen in a, in a great greater number, and every 20 years, there's like major flaps that go on worldwide.
2: So... In this course of our history, we see an increase of not only UFO activity but definitely an increase in abductions. What can we kind of point to that reasoning? What, what If you had to take a guess, why would you guess there's such a high number of abductions? Because to me is
3: – I you want my honest opinion? I don't think the number of abductions is really changing. I think the number of people are coming forward to talk about okay this.
2: I can accept that because what I was going to say is, you know, I see it – from a more skeptical point of view as being you know you have an increase in abduction cases because you have an increase in media attention to people who report abduction cases Right. you know you get a a Whitley Straber writes a book about it and then all of a sudden everybody's had you know communion experiences
3: yeah but you had um, you know interrupted journey well before that the story of Betty and Barney Hill you had you know basically fire in the sky preceding that Travis Walton Uh, I spent a couple hours talking to Travis back in the early '90s, having uh, Mike Rogers, and um, you know, despite what everybody saw in the movie *Fire in the Sky*, what actually happened to Travis on board the craft is nothing like what you see in in the, in the Hollywood version of the movie. Um, none of that happened. None of the you know the crazy being held down with the sheet wet sheets and floating weightless through the air and the dead bodies and stuff like that. But what happened to Mike Rogers and the rest of the crew that he was with was, was extremely accurate. The The police and the amount of interrogation that they went through and the lie detector tests and over and over and over again, these guys were literally hounded night and day and interrogated for like four or five days by police. They didn't let them sleep. And here's another interesting little fact most people aren't aware of. The government paid them all 15 million dollars not to tell their story
2: i think hollywood just paid a little bit more in the end yeah well i mean and we've talked about this too in other shows especially when we talked about the bell witch case but what the hollywood gets away with doing is they say based on actual events so they can say all right we'll take travis's story and we'll change it around and make it a little bit more uh interesting a little bit more friendly to the cinema than if they actually uh and i don't think the stuff about 15 million dollars could make it into the, the final hollywood version maybe in the sequel maybe they'll make a sequel someday well matt costa you're sitting over there very quietly what are your thoughts on on ufo abductions on ufo abductions
4: um i don't know i'd have to agree with matt that a lot of it is just uh cerebral, delusions. cerebral. <laughs> <laughs> i got marbles in my mouth um uh, but I, I do have to say that I do believe partially in UFOs and UFO d- abductions. So
3: Now, have you ever... You, s- you, you accept the possibility that it no. could possibly okay, happen. No. Yeah, sure.
2: okay. Have you ever seen any... Uh, ever, I'm not saying you know, you've know s- you spotted one yourself, but have you ever seen anything uh, in the course of your studies or anything that's really convinced you um, that it's definitely true? Is there something that was like the the saturation point where you like, okay, I've seen enough stuff that now I can buy well, I into I- it? Or are you going into it blindly saying... Looking at the size of the universe, there has to be somebody else. I
4: think it's uh, – nothing's 100%. like There's uh, no real 100% evidence out there, at least r- right now. Mm-hmm. I know that there could be some in Moni's closet somewhere. <laughs>
3: My <laughs> windowsill,
4: so actually, actually. Like, it's, it's waiting for the book. That's good good luck I'm, cleaning that closet up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. There could be.
2: Sure. I mean – Just yeah, just based on the size of the universe and how much stuff is out there that we haven't even seen, I can't.
4: It's kind of arrogant to think that we're not alone. So.
2: But it's also, but it's also hugely speculative to believe that that there are other things out there that can reach us if we can't reach them.
3: Okay. Uh, Are you guys familiar with the Drake equation? No. Okay. I think I've heard of it before. Drake is a professor. Um, He is professor of astronomy and uh, minor in mathematics, what have you. He came out with this equation that shows using all of the stars and all of the galaxies and our galaxy alone and stuff like that, the mathematical certainty that there is life out there is proven beyond shadow of a doubt. It is a mathematical certainty. Uh, And somebody else took his equation and took it the next level. How many of them of those potential could have Advanced life that could reach us mm-hmm. and you know uh, make make it to here and uh, they they estimate that there are at least and these are the minimal using minimal numbers the one tenth of one percent of each one of these percentages as you take it to the next level of calculation that there are at least three hundred civilizations in our galaxy alone that can reach this world, reach this planet.
2: Well, the argument that I've heard from a lot of people...
3: they like said, based on mathematics.
2: Yeah, well, the, the argument that I've heard from people is, and, and you know, we, without getting into quantum physics and multiple universes and all this and that, but, but people have said that the universe is essentially the same age. The universe happened all at once. Let's just go with that. Okay. Let's just go with that theory. Big bang, universe happens all at once. So everything Shazam. in the universe... Huh? Shazam. Exactly. So everything in the universe is essentially the same age. Things differ in when they're... Cre- you, know, you know, things are created later on. We know just the same that we see in life all the okay, time. Okay,
3: I see where you're going. All right.
2: But they say, you know, the potential has all existed from the exact same time. The potential has been there since day one on an equal playing field. How things have developed is what the difference is. So they say, you know, there's there's no reason why other uh, civilizations haven't had that opportunity to develop faster than we have and therefore would have these advances in their culture to get here when we can't get there. I think that a lot of what goes on in our world, we've been kind of retarded.
3: We retarded ourselves. We had exactly. s- roughly about 700 years with the retar- self-imposed retardation. Mm-hmm. We call that the Dark Ages.
2: Yeah, I, I think that we've had quite a bit of, of our own, you know, we've bitten ourselves in the ass, to say, you know, yeah. for for the most part. But other civilizations might not have gone through that, so therefore they can be more advanced. So the whole everything being the same equal playing field argument doesn't really work for me. I'll buy into the fact that everything happened all at once, and in theory it should be the same, but, you know, things change. If you and I both left this parking lot with the intent of getting home to wear him, you know, Things might differ your course than differ mine. We might have to get gas. You don't, you know, and that's basically the way. So it's just you know, yep. we're, we're we're taking huge cosmic things, <laughs> and we're breaking it down to the smallest minute level of running errands. So there you go. Well, if you want to join in in the discussion, because you know who knows where it's going to go from here, give us a call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. You want to take a break, Matt? You think we should take a commercial break? Okay. I You know, I told you, I said, have your finger on the commercial button because I don't think we're going to be able to go very long without having to take a break. We've gone 30, 30 minutes now. It's crazy. Without stopping talking. It's out of control. I know. It's this no is this is kind of nice. Talk. Maybe we shouldn't have guests anymore. We can just sit here and rant and rave all we want. But uh, no. Then we won't learn anything. This is so. Larry King. But speaking of guests, next week we will have as our guest author Mark Shapiro. He's the author of Expose, which is a, a new book that's out uh, by uh, – it's about – now, Mark's an investigative journalist, and he spent a lot of time researching um, the European Union and the way that they have made adjustments to the products that come into to Europe, whereas the United States still has a little bit looser standards when it comes to what we import. Uh, so that's why you have things like the huge product recalls from the tainted products coming out of China. Uh, so his new book is all about the things going on in, in that realm, and we're going to have him on next week when we're on at 6 p.m., a special primetime show due to NFL football. And we're going to talk to Mark about you know, some of the tainted stuff that's out there for Christmas. I know toys are huge because I have a three-year-old. We've had half of his toy collection recalled uh, for lead paint. So we will talk about all that stuff and more with Mark next week. So any questions you have about what's going on, I, I promised my wife that I would not mention the idea of a conspiracy. I would not talk about the Chinese government utilizing Chinese manufacturers to try to poison Americans to take over and be the new world's global superpower. So that's off the table. If any callers <laughs> want to call in and suggest it, or I, I said, you know, I won't bring it up, but I can't stop Moniz from bringing it up. But uh, that will be the topic for next week. And then the week after that, uh, on the 22nd of December, we're going to have our special uh, Christmas show. We will talk to Courtney Roberts, the author of The Star of the Magi, taking the, you know, the star of Bethlehem that led the wise men to the baby Jesus. We will take that from an astrological point of view, and uh, we'll have some Christmas goodies for you. On that show as well. That's another primetime show at 6 p.m. Then on the 29th of December, we're going to be off the air uh, because you know Patriots are on; they they take over the airwaves all day. So we're just going to sit home, kick back, relax, and listen to the game. But then on New Year's Eve, we're going to try to put together a special program for you, special predictions for 2008. So we'll uh, if I told you now, then you know it'd be too 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 close to the uh, too far off from the event. So stay tuned here. We'll be right back in just a few minutes here on Spooky South Coast. Hi, everybody. Tim Weisberg here from Spooky South Coast wishing you a happy holiday season. And, of course, now it's time to start getting that shopping done. We've had our Thanksgiving turkey and now we got to think about heading out to the stores and finding just the right gifts. Well, you don't actually need to do that anymore because through the wonders of the Internet, you can do all your shopping at home. And even if you'd like to give somebody something homemade, but you don't have the time to do so, well, KnitBits has you covered. If you just go to their website, knitbits.etsy.com, that's K-N-I-T-B-I-T-S dot E-T-S-Y dot com, you can find great homemade crocheted and knitted items for sale. Uh, right now on Knitbits. they have a crocheted cell phone holder for $3.50. They have crocheted baby bibs for $10 and even a complete baby set for $25. And if you go to the Knit Bits site, you can also contact Knitbits there as well. If there's something you'd like to have made that isn't there or if there's something you like you'd like to see in a different color, Just shoot them an email, let them know what you're looking for, and they'll be happy to comply. And, of course, all items on KnitBits' website is guaranteed. They have 100% positive feedback. Imagine the smiles on people's faces Christmas morning when they open up a homemade knitted item from KnitBits. So if you would like to find out more, again, knitbits.etsy.com. So from all of us at Spooky South Coast and from everyone at KnitBits, happy holidays and happy shopping. Hey man, you up?
1: No.
4: Wake up, I need to talk to
1: you.
5: I think your house is haunted.
1: Hey, come on, it's 2
4: 30 in the morning.
5: I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared.
2: It's one of the things we talk about here each and every week. We talked about it last week, and we'll be talking about it again very shortly in the near future. Now, uh, I got a chance to catch a little bit of Beyond Reality Radio on my way in on our sister station, WPRO, in Providence with our friends Jason and Grant, and Jeff Belanger was on. And uh, they were also having Patrick Burns on, but by that point I had to start getting ready for our show. But uh, they had Jeff Belanger in the studio. So, for Jason and Grant, Jeff Belangio will make the trek down to Providence. So, when we have him on in the new year to talk about his latest book, The Ghost Files, we're going to have to drag his ass down here.
3: I have no problem dragging him down.
2: (laughs) Well, after the photo that he left in your camera...
3: Oh, that was beautiful.
2: You got some payback, and I'll talk to him before we have him on. We're going to post that up on SpookySouthCoast.com.
3: Well, I did talk to Jay today, and um, he said um, we can promote his book and his... um, well, I can't
2: imagine you say we can't. You, you know, I played the video game. Have you, have you played the video game? I have game
3: not yet? had a chance to yet. No. It's called Apparitions.
2: It's a, it's a new PC game with uh, Jason and Grant kind of serving as consultants on it and, and helping to further the storyline, making the investigative experience real. And I'm not a fan of first person shooter games, as, as Matt Costa can tell you. I, I complain about them all the time. But this is, a, you know, it's in the first person point of view where you're conducting an investigation of a haunted hotel. Now, me being the cheap guy that I am, I haven't paid for the full version (laughs) yet because I'm holding out hope that, you know, I can get somebody to send me a a passcode to to get the full version for free because, you know, that's what we do in the radio business. We try to milk our position for our own advantage. Payola. But (laughs) I was playing the free version and I was very interested in the way that it works, how you can actually, you have the full range of tools at your disposal. Uh, You have down below, you have your EMF detector, you have your digital thermometer, you have your thermal camera, and you have your regular uh, camera as well, and it captures EVPs automatically while you're walking around. I guess it's always on. And if you catch an EVP, it'll alert you, and you go into your laptop, and you can listen to it. And you have to go into your laptop, and you have to uh, take your evidence, rate it, and then submit it to Jason and Grant, or the, you know virtual version of jason and grant and they grant grade you on your progress so jason and grant if you're listening i want to thank you for telling me that my evidence was no good it's not my fault i ran into a bug in the system and i heard jason talking on the show and he said that they're working some of those bugs out and that soon it should be good but i've had a couple of people tell me it's great but i can't grade my evidence every time i try to it doesn't save it so i think that's one of the things that they're trying to fix so stay tuned they'll have it ready and uh, it, it's really interesting. It's what I was hoping it would be when I heard about it. I'm surprised you haven't played yet, Matt. I know. Oh. Are you, are you still playing World of Warcraft? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. You don't really, do No, you? no, I don't. I'm sure a number of our listeners do. Although Mr. T does. So. I know. I've seen that commercial. It's very interesting. But, uh...
3: And, of course, the Shatner. The Shatner. Yeah.
4: Yes,
2: yes. You, you know, and... I was making jokes about uh about Shatner promoting that, but really, does it do they not have a Star Trek one? Is there not a massive multiplayer online game of Star Trek yet? I know there's a Star Wars one. I don't know if anybody cares. We should we should make a we should make one of those of <laughs> Spooky South Coast. You know? Three people. Know. That would be the entire world. <laughs> us three. World. You can just
3: walk around the studio? Yeah. I sense zombies and chainsaws involved or something. We're, we're,
2: uh, we're on an island now as it is. So if you want to rescue us, 508-996-0500, 508 500 Just call up and share with us any paranormal experiences you might have. But uh, Matt Moniz was saying uh, during the commercial break that one thing that he thinks we need to talk about a little bit more is the idea of cryptozoology. And I agree. It's not exactly a topic that we cover Often here on Spooky South Coast because yeah. I don't know why.
3: I've been wondering myself. It's it's actually one of my more favorite um, paranormal things to research, and I am still trying to get things organized for a dive at Lake Champlain. And uh, I would, yeah, I, I told you, Mister Costas. Oh, he thought you to... said
2: a lake of champagne. Oh, yeah, he thought you were talking <laughs> about diving <laughs> into a lake of champagne. I start
3: drooling when I think of mimosas.
2: We'll have some of brunch tomorrow (laughs) We'll have brunch But no, I mean, I agree We we do need to talk more about cryptozoology The problem with talking about it Is that it's a very uh, It's a polarizing subject for a lot of people Because, you know, somebody like Lauren Coleman Who is probably the world's foremost cryptozoologist Has a very, very deep background in zoology so when he talks about these creatures, I mean, he's done the research to make sure it isn't something that exists. But a lot of people will bring up, you know, you see it all the time online. Here's Chupacabra evidence. And yeah. it's just, it's a dog.
3: Yeah, or a mange-ridden coyote or something of that nature, yeah.
2: And uh, But I mean, I'm, I'm no stranger to controversy. I'd love to talk about it more. Maybe somebody out there has had an experience with a Bigfoot or, you know, some creature that can't be identified. I know the the... Black panthers are something that's been seen quite a bit in this area. Well, we in had in the Pan- Bridgewater Triangle.
3: Most people aren't aware that we had things like lions in North America. They've become extinct, but they did roam these lands at one time in in North America uh, as far as ten thousand years ago. Um, and they even have, you know, sculptures, Native American sculptures with maned lions. But and they found obviously the archaeological evidence of it, you know, bones. But you know,
2: I, some of
3: the We also had the horse before, you know, the Europeans brought it back over, but it became extinct too. So having strange animals being seen around the areas, you know,
2: there's a. Di- I mean, I understand cryptozoology encompasses all this, but there's also a difference between having somebody buy into the idea that these creatures used to be here and aren't here anymore because of whatever reason than to say, you know, here's a new breed of creature nobody's ever seen before. And to people who say, well, we've documented just about everything that exists, at least once a year you hear a story about finding some new species that...
3: And some of them quite large.
2: Yeah, exactly. And some of them, you know, are underwater, some of them are deep in the woods, deep in the jungle, th- high up on mountains.
3: Uh, Two thirds of our planet is ocean. And not only that, we've only explored less than one percent of the ocean. We can only get so deep, that's right. the problem. Well, we can get to the deepest point, but it's a vast area.
2: Well, I mean, like people like yourself can only go so far on one oxygen tank. Sure. All right, let's take this call. Good evening, around Spooky South Coast, how you doing?
5: Hello. Hi. Uh, I just want to tell you, you guys, uh, last week was a great show. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I Sometimes I can't make it till 12 o'clock because, you know, it's too late. But I was riveted last week, and I was really, you know, I stayed awake the whole time. <laughs> you know, it's just it's uh, sometimes it's late for me. But uh, I found it so interesting last week that I, I made myself stay awake.
3: <laughs> well, we're sorry we we're putting your sleep. No, <laughs> Oh,
5: no, no, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> anyway, I have a question. Sure. Um, it's totally off the subject of what you guys are talking about, but... Um,
3: no such thing. <laughs>
5: um, a couple of years ago, uh, last year, I went to Salem, and I went on a ghost walk, and I took a picture of a house that was supposedly haunted, and um, I took a picture of a window, and on the outside of the window uh there was a uh, like a almost like a like a lightning bolt it wasn't but that's the only way i can describe it um on the outside of the window and all my other pictures that i took on that trip was were fine except for that that one picture so i didn't know if there was somewhere that i could take uh have that picture taken to ha- have it analyzed or whatnot i didn't know if you guys knew of uh any place like that
3: yeah we could handle that for you is it a digital or is it film
5: yeah it's a digital picture
3: can you email it to us at uh spooky crew
5: sure um i just how do i do that i upload it and just send it to you yeah or? just
2: email it to spooky crew at spooky dot com.
5: oh okay all right like i said i've had it for over a year now and i just didn't know what to do with it i i never deleted it off my uh of my camera because I, I think it's something, you know. I mean, I even showed the the the, the uh, tour guide, and she's like, wow, you, you really have something there, you know. So, uh, so
2: but it's kind of like a, like a flash of light that's kind of uh, in a straight it, line type like shape. It's
5: like a lightning bolt. It's like an orange light. It, the only way I can describe it is a lightning bolt. It that's sounds... what it looks like. And it's an orange, it, it's like an orangey color to it.
2: It sounds and all to me my other like,
5: pictures came out so, okay, you know?
2: It sounds so, to me like it's a light rod, which is yeah. a, a frequent type yeah. of paranormal activity that's captured in, in photos.
5: Really? So, I mean, without, I mean, of course, because you can't see it yet, but, I mean, it sounds like something that I have something, or?
3: Uh, what, you're, what you're describing does sound similar to things that have been known in the paranormal uh, realm to occur. We can't say for sure without actually looking at the photo. um, And and
2: plus we're going to put you through the ringer with a whole line of questioning around the photo such as,
3: you know. Where was it taken? What time of day? What time
2: of day? Was the flash on? Was it possible it's a reflection of the flash? You know, we go through all these questions to try to eliminate all the normal before we can get to the paranormal.
5: Right, right, right. But I'm also
2: telling you that it's not uncommon if you're in these haunted locations to capture these light rods or and some people capture orbs and
3: you got to be real careful with glass so most you know what is glass do you know what glass is what it's made of i I know but okay (laughs)
2: i'll let the caller answer all
3: right
5: i I don't think so (laughs) okay
3: okay. it's sand it's sand all right Uh, what state is it in
2: oh i don't know that
5: I don't know. <laughs>
3: Believe it or not glass is actually a liquid. It's a frozen liquid. Most people oh, don't realize yes. that's why over years um glass will start to sag, especially the old windows. Mm-hmm. Uh you're dealing with Salem if if it's one of the old houses that I'm thinking of, those windows have been around a couple hundred years and they're slowly starting to deform. And mm-hmm. what what happens is the impurities that they were made with as well as as they're finding out now pollution being embedded into them as they as they're sagging, with any type of or actually I say with the right type of light reflection, you can get some pretty weird looking things in the glass.
5: Well, actually, it's in front of the window. It's not really in the window. It's more like in the like before the window. It's, okay,
3: it's in the foreground before the window. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now that is definitely interesting. Sure.
5: Yeah, I mean I can't wait to send it to you. I didn't know if you guys could do that you know or if you knew somebody that
2: could look at it so that's great that i can send it well, to well it's a yes on both counts we can yes. look at it ourselves and we can pass it on to some people with even more photography training than we have yeah uh, who can look at it and break it down and i wish we actually had the internet in the studio so that we could have you just mail it to us now and we could take a look at it but you know we don't have access here in the spooky studio right
5: right well i will definitely send it you uh send it to you tomorrow great and, and uh the, i can't wait to hear from you the information
2: is right on our website, uh, com. There's a little section there that says submit your evidence to us, and that's how you can get a hold of us.
5: Okay, that's great, guys. All right, thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Have a good
2: night. If you have anything you'd like to share, any questions on the paranormal or some experiences you'd like to let us know about, 508-996-0500. 508 and we're doing a little bit of a paranormal potpourri here tonight, so don't be afraid to just call in about any subject. Uh, no matter what we're talking about, anything that falls under the realm of the unexplained or the mysterious, just give us a call. Even if you want to know, you know, what Matt Moniz's favorite color is. What's your favorite color, Matt? All of them. Okay, that's a good answer. That's just a guarantee <laughs> that he doesn't make anybody upset if they already bought him a Christmas present in, like, green. Okay. We've never seen the guy wear green, but... I'm sure he would. I like green. It
3: reminds me of money.
2: <laughs> there you go. Now, talking about talking about cryptozoology, Matt Cost. I know that's a subject that's near and dear to your heart. Yes. And uh, what kind of, uh, you know, it, within the concept of cryptozoology, is there any particular cryptid that you're interested in? Is there any uh, geographical area, like maybe you like the things that are in the ocean, maybe you like things that are in the woods?
4: Um, I probably have to say. Um, well, as we were talking about before, the ocean is such such a vast thing, and we've only discovered handful. a minute, minute yeah. amount of uh, creatures out there. There's always that possibility of some sort of monster. If, or
2: if you were given the opportunity, I, would you hop into one of those subs and go down to the bottom of the ocean floor? Sure. Why not? I might be a little too claustrophobic myself. <laughs>
3: I might be able to arrange that, Maddie. I got friends
4: that, that would that, you want that, that you don't want to go with any of his friends to the
2: bottom of the ocean. <laughs> oh, hey, trust me, I've seen the way they rig stuff up. In a sub. Yeah, Definitely. with limited oxygen. And you know, we you know they can't stop talking to each other the whole time, so they're gonna just use up that no, oxygen real no fast. His
4: friends will probably give me a
3: Dutch. Uh, I'll make. Sure, <laughs> I'll make sure we eat chili dogs before we dive, no, Too there
4: you
2: go, Dutch submarine. Okay, why don't we take this call before we devolve good evening you're on spooky south coast how you doing
0: how you doing
3: all right thanks for a uh, hey, mdj <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm glad to hear that you recognize my voice right off of course my uh, old mentor i'm sure tim and matt don't remember me
2: but uh, i remember you I sure. sure we got to meet you uh when we spoke at the uh south coast the uh aha it's, night it's, yeah, yeah
0: right sure yeah uh i i just thought i'd uh give you guys a ring tonight and, uh, introduce myself and uh, give you a little bit of uh, my history, whether it be termin- or paranormal or just whatever it might be. And I, I thought I'd uh, kind of push my book a little bit
2: with absolutely
0: <laughs> great book. By the way,
2: I still have your copy. Yes, I you know. have.
0: have you read it? That's the point.
2: Yes, yes. You have. Well, yes, and
0: then, then you uh, recognize the. Uh, the connection uh, with the paranormal, perhaps, with H.H. Uh, H. H. Holmes.
2: Well, why don't you let everybody know what the book is about? Okay. And the name of the book is The Devil's Alibi, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, really, it's uh, it's about the diabolical exploits of uh, the arch-criminal known as H.H. H. Holmes. Now, everybody's saying, who the hell is H.H. H. Holmes? But, actually... Today, there have been more books written about him than uh, than you can count, one of which uh, is supposed to be made into a, a full-length uh, a movie. It, 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 there is a documentary already out on him that's won various prizes. But uh, there is also supposed to be an entertainment uh, a film due to come out sometime within the next few years, perhaps if Tom Cruise can raise the money, that is. Uh, because he's trying to do this on his own <clears throat> And I'm not sure if he's bought the rights or not But uh, they're using another book that came out about the same time as mine And uh, th- this deals with a criminal that was born in uh, ni- in 1860 And he's the granddaddy of all serial murderers In that he murdered more people than um, anyone really knows because that was never determined, <clears throat> however, when he lived and where he lived is, is, is quite important because uh, when he did most of his criminal activities, at least in the the murder vein, was at the time of the Chicago World's Fair. and as you know, the Chicago World's Fair was in I don't hear anyone
3: yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> 1892?
0: Oh yeah, pretty close. 1893. Uh, yeah, they had to hold it back a year because it couldn't finish in time. But there, I don't know how much uh any of you know about the Chicago World's Fair, but it was most incredible. world's first Ferris wheel. What's what's that?
3: World's first Ferris wheel?
0: Oh, well, yes, George Ferris created that, but he didn't create it as a uh, an independent by any means.
3: It was also where the ice cream cone was created?
0: Yes, that's true. But at the same time, as I said, uh, the the Ferris wheel was created as an observatory. Wow. Now, this Ferris wheel was so tall that actually it uh, carried 40 people to each component. And it had a conductor in each component that would uh, tell you all about the fair as it uh, went around.
2: I'm scared of the ones at the carnival down the street. <laughs> Can you imagine being there with 40 people? <laughs> I, I just I get nervous when my brother starts rocking it back and forth.
0: Well, there's a, there's a scene in my book that the character is at the, at the World's Fair, and he's on a Ferris wheel, and he's trying to uh, uh, con this, uh, uh, this would-be victim of his, you know. And uh, he's getting himself, but he he happens to have a case of terrible fear of heights, (laughs) so uh, he can't wait to get back down on on solid ground. And uh, as he's going by, as he's going by, a, a huge balloon. Because they had these gigantic uh, air balloons.
2: I, I hate to interrupt you, Maurice, but we're coming up on the news. We have to take a break. Oh, too bad. It's, it's kind of automatic. The was just
0: getting interesting. Well, if
2: you want to hang on, we'll be back in about six minutes.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: All right, thanks. We will be back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
6: All right. Lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft unexplained phenomena.
2: For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal, angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1 800 728 2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits.
0: Quite an experience to
1: live in fear, isn't it? This can't be
3: happening, man. This isn't happening. Spooky, so cool.
1: Another
2: supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it time, 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 time. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. Why don't we get right back into our discussion with Maurice.
3: Distardants.
2: Well, I knew his last name. Yeah,
3: Maurice Desjardins
0: is uh, my, my actual name. But I, <laughs> and that's the I name that you wrote the book is But I use depending on uh, what particular hat I'm wearing at the time.
2: And before we go uh, further into the discussion, Maurice, why don't you tell everybody where they can get the book from.
0: Well, actually, this is a, a, a book that was uh, published on demand. <clears throat> so actually, you can still get it through Amazon. That's about the best way to get it, or, instead of uh, our writing directly to the company. Uh, but I, I wanted to finish my, my little story because uh, I thought it, uh, it gave you a good picture of what part of at least the uh, uh, midway plaisance at the uh, Chicago World's Fair uh, looked like from, from above. Now, the, these coachmen that I talked, they would give you a little, you know, uh, you'd be able to see, for instance, all through, all, all of Chicago at one point, and uh, Holmes himself had what he called a castle, uh, which was a huge building that he had erected uh, for many, many purposes, one of which was wholesale murder. So... As he's up in the, uh, the car up there, he can see basically even his own castle. And uh, he sees the Zimmerman uh, Opera House. Uh, and uh, he can see uh, the uh, fair-scale replica of St. Peter's Church. He can see the U.S. Submarine Diving Company, the, the Libby Glass Works. And then the uh, bar-sliding railway Coming up on the Eskimo village, which keeps De La Verge's ice and snow concession busy, and you can see the, the cliff dwellers, and uh, they're back on the bottom again, where they can all visualize the Liberty Bell. So all of these things were available at the at the uh, World's Fair at that time, and there were many women that would come to Chicago. Uh, Jobs as secretaries and that for the six months that it was running, mm-hmm. it was the biggest thing in history because this is where they first uh, they first blinked on electricity. I mean they electrified the whole thing. <coughs> it had never been done before. Edison created the uh, first motion pictures. Pictures there also, you know, so it was a pretty big thing. And he was among all of these people, and he kind of like had his pick and choose of his uh, of his victims, and he took full advantage of it. So that's part of what this book is about. But more upon your uh, aspect of the book is the perhaps the uh, psychical aspects of it, because there were some. For instance, people started dying that were connected. To with his uh, his death, that was uh, a rather weird thing. Uh, so I, I just uh, d- took this book and uh, I decided that I would uh, write an opus. Uh, <laughs> so we we myself and a, a confederate uh, wrote a twelve hundred and fifty page opus on it which, uh, naturally, was uh, too too large to be printed. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it didn't see the light of day. And it turned out that it was so difficult to unbraid without losing other aspects of it that uh, it, it didn't get uh, published the way that we had originally wanted to until I finally decided to, uh, you know how you have to sort of, it kill off your your own you know that's what it felt like
2: yeah. I
0: started like, uh, xing out characters and places and things you know but at the end of it all it's a very diluted version but it's a a very good indication of what uh, uh, Holmes was about from a, a perspective that had never been done before and this perspective is it was a a reporter <clears throat> at the time who believed that Holmes was not guilty of the crime that he was being tried for. Many other crimes, yes, but not that particular one. And so he wrote a a book, which uh, is not available to the public any longer, uh, in 1896, just at the time of the trial, uh, suggesting that he was innocent of those charges. And so I decided to take it from that point of view, rather than the
3: traditional biographical point of view.
0: <clears throat> so that's it.
3: Now what about the curse that goes along with it? Oh, I'm a first-hand witness. To... Oh
0: yeah, the old curse. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, that uh, apparently there were tragedies that, that started happening with, with, after he died. and It actually started at, uh, with this horoscope. <clears throat> The particular combination of the planets at his birth told of a man of much mystery, highly individualized conduct, fickle and emotional temperaments. It showed disaster in his life, crumbling business ventures and the casting of misfortune on others. And from this last came the talk of the evil eye, or the astral quality. It said that Holmes projected. It was told that any person connected with him, especially with his conviction in death, would meet with misfortune and possibly their own demise. And so this became, you know, a press sensationalism, you know, the yellow press at that time, <clears throat> except that strange things did begin to happen. <clears throat> First, the coroner's physician, chief witness against Holmes at his trial, he died suddenly of blood poisoning. Then the coroner himself became so severely ill, friends feared for his life. And the judge, who sentenced Holmes, next contracted a sickness, which also put him at the brink of death. The superintendent of the prison, who uh, spent his last days, committed suicide. Holmes' own lawyer died suddenly, and the father of one of the young girls whom Holmes had uh, actually done away with on his uh, way to Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia to see the criminal hang was horribly burned in a freak gas explosion. And even his own attorney, who had staunchly defended him, had his career suddenly spiraled downward, and finally he was despised. One of the priests who attended homes was, uh, died of what was called natural causes, yet when his body was found in the back of a church where he'd been walking after midnight, there were bloodstains and boot heels around the body. coroner's verdict was never questioned. But more bizarre than all that was a tragedy belonging to the jury foreman, <coughs> Mr. Hertel, before the man had even heard of Holmes, but on the very afternoon he was caught, a faulty telegraph wire on the uh, foreman's roof nearly destroyed his home, and shortly after Holmes' execution, another fire broke out suddenly. Without warning, it had ignited his whole roof. A crowd of onlookers watched a man climb to the top of his house and begin to hack at the cable he felt was responsible fire. He was immediately executed on contact with a live wire while the crowd below looked on in horror. So, you see, these are some of the things that uh, that occurred at his death. Uh, the Fidelity Mutual uh, Insurance Company, in fact, uh, had, a, had a fire that burned all of their entire files and everything else, and the only thing that survived was a photograph of Holmes. Had been on the wall. Strange things like that followed uh, that,
2: him. That's a little creepy. <laughs> oh,
0: you know, he was a little creepy. This guy. Apparently, uh, you see, he was buried in a Catholic cemetery.
3: Tell him how he was buried, though.
0: Oh yes. Well, that's that's a good one. Yes, yeah, sure. He was. Uh, he was. They actually made an extra wide, double hole for him. See, because he decided that he, in his last request, that he be. Um, uh, put in concrete. So they concreted him inside of his casket. And then they brought it over to the hole, and it it was so heavy that uh, it took like six men to get it into the ground, of which they put uh, another uh, six feet of uh of uh, cement upon on the top of it all.
2: Did he give a reason why he had to be buried in such a uh, fashion? Well, uh,
0: this, uh, this is, I, you see, I in my book I, I go into uh, uh, what we call faction in the business. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. Oh, I do. Okay, so uh, this being faction I have um, you see, the point is that he converted to Catholicism ten days before he died. Mm-hmm. Now this is practically unheard of in in the Catholic religion at that time. Not only that, he was put into consecrated ground. Here's a man that uh, murdered randomly, and he was put into consecrated ground. This is a a, a, a Catholic cemetery. How is that possible, this murderer? Because you know th- th- this is this is uh, truly a. Uh, uh, a question that was never ever brought up to the church or anything and yet uh... you know most commoners couldn't even get in the cemetery you know i visited it uh, one year as a matter of fact there's no uh... there's no tombstone or any kind of a marker as to where you know he is but uh, through maps and such like that I, I deduce where it was it was a snowy day it was covered with snow and. Uh, I stood on top of his, uh, his grave, so to speak.
3: <laughs> he almost put you in yours, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, that's another story. You see, that's also part of the curse. I had my own curse with with uh, Mr. Holmes, and he and I had went uh, at it for a lot of years until finally I feel I exonerated it by uh, putting this book out there. So, uh, if anybody is interested in it, it is called The Devil's Alibi, and it was about in uh, nineteen two thousand three, I believe. Um,
2: and eventually I'll have to give Matt Moniz his copy back. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you got a chance to read it, because I was wondering, you know, if anyone is reading this book. Well,
2: I held on to it for my wife to read, because she's like the world's biggest... Uh, true crime fan. I mean, she loves true stories that are have haven't been and the on earth. Stuff this and guy did about.
3: was horrendous.
2: And I said, you got to read this book. You haven't you haven't heard of this guy? You have to read this book. <laughs> and did she read him? Uh, she hasn't yet. You know why? Because the f- the picture on the front cover uh, kind of scares <laughs> her a little bit.
0: Well, that's interesting because you know that the picture that, that was well thought out. I don't know if you know what you're looking at when you look at the cover of the book.
2: Well, and she tell everybody that.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. but Let me ask you. What do you see?
2: When I look at it? Yeah. I see, uh, well, the devil. You see the devil? To me. I mean, it's got the the goat-like legs and the cloven hooves. And
0: Okay. What about your two cohorts there? What do they uh, have to say about it?
3: Well, I have to abstain because I was there. I know what it is.
0: <laughs> uh... oh, oh, don't, don't, don't get out that easy. Come on. Explain what you see, please. If you recall,
3: if I recall correctly, it is um, you have the image of what it was Pan, and it came from a um, the original, um, if I'm not mistaken, tarot set. And then you have superimposed over what would be the devil's head a um, a and image of Holmes in a top hat, if I'm not mistaken.
0: You've got it pretty well down. What I did is a a reverse negative on, on on this actual photograph, you know. <clears throat> but the point is that the cover is a black cover with red uh, red letters, and the uh, image on it is in black and white. And it's what it is, black and white. It is. Uh, I have uh, his actual signature in the corner of the uh, picture. I think you probably don't remember that. Yes. Uh, the thing is that this is not a picture of Holmes, uh, but the face is my imagery of him uh, as a skeleton with a mustache, you know, the old-fashioned mustache and a derby hat. Mm-hmm. And from his uh, ears, seems to be growing these horns, you know. There's kind of a smoky background to it, but what you're basically looking at is Baphomet. Uh, are you familiar at all with Baphomet? I am not. No. Uh, is anyone there? Yeah. Okay. You know uh, who or what uh, Baphomet uh, signifies, uh, according to certain artists.
2: Matt. Right.
3: It's supposed to uh, signify um, a crossroads and change, depending upon what what view you take of it. Some people call him you know, the devil or because of the horns, but it was actually, that's just a misrepresentation of Crononos from earlier pagan times. But why, what what version of it are you referring to? Uh,
0: the original, the, and this is what I took it from. The original was uh, drawn by uh, one of the famous black musicians of all time, Crown. Levi. Uh,
3: <coughs> Levi? That yeah. one.
0: Right. Yeah, and he uh, he created this... this uh, picture which is uh, considered to be a, the archetype, you know. And so I took the archetype and I put my own super imposition of Holmes' skeleton uh, as a face. And it gave, and when I did it in reverse, it really uh, looked quite startling.
2: I'll say it's one creepy cover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, and so I had a friend of mine in England who actually uh, put it together for me. And uh, the publisher, you know, many times, they they want what they want on the cover, you know. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I said,
0: no, 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 not in this case. This case has got to be this particular cover.
2: And I actually had to, uh, on my bookshelf, I had to reverse it so that the (laughs) cover wouldn't stick out. (laughs) <laughs> and I, you know, and I have quite a number of ghost books and different. You know, you, I don't really like alien imagery myself, and uh-huh. you know, it's 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 put in that special section where all the uh, UFO books with the alien faces on the front have all been reversed as well. So, to my little well, nightmare section.
0: Well, you see, that's 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 uh, part of the research that uh, you know I I did a lot of in the times that I was dealing with the. Uh, the paranormal, and I thought that I wanted to get as paranormal as I could without stretching any real facts, and these all things all did happen, as I said, and there was more that happened than that, because uh, certain things began to happen to me, and uh, unfortunately, every time that I would write this book, or come near in writing this book, somebody else would write a book just previous to mine that blew the wind out of my sails Mm -hmm. because (laughs) I are saying the kind of things I was saying so finally I had to take it from this perspective that uh, no one else has so somebody's interested from a uh, another from a different perspective on homes because you see soon there'll be a major motion picture can you imagine a Spielberg for instance doing the what they called the white city which was uh Harvard Will's Fair and
2: mm-hmm.
0: doing the whole white city. Uh, yeah, because only a guy like Spielberg could do it. Oh, sure. <clears throat> and then uh, a couple blocks away uh, building a replica of uh, Holmes's uh, what he calls the castle. Now, the castle was not a castle as uh, you're probably uh, imagining it, but it was an apartment uh, hotel-like house that had covered a full... A full block
3: with multiple rooms, including pits that contained
0: alligators. I'll explain. Li- no, 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 no. <laughs> let's not exaggerate the legend there, Mr. <laughs> Minis. Uh, no, well, what he, what it was basically is the first floor, the bottom floor, had nothing but shops and you know whatever went on. You know, all kind of little businesses, so most of them were scams of You know. And upstairs from that, on the second floor, he had his offices, which had all kind of secret panels, and he even had a way where he could uh, listen to uh, who was doing what in every room on the third floor. <clears throat> and uh, what he would do is he would uh, put ads out in the paper for, you know, for low rental, and. Uh, Many of these women that wanted to be secretaries would, uh, would come there because he claimed to teach them that skill. <laughs> and, uh, of course, this is where he uh, committed many of his, uh, his more gruesome atrocities. You know, man, that had uh, some, some very strange apparatus. For instance, he had a stretching machine. And uh, that must have been for uh, uh, the short people, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can use it, but
2: only to a certain
0: point. <laughs> you don't really want to try it, huh? No. no. Well, only
2: for about four inches, and then you got to let me out. <laughs> oh.
0: that, that could be pretty painful, I'll tell you. Four inches? Oh, why.
2: I um I hate to interrupt you again, Maurice, but we have to take a break yeah. now. Well, that's
0: okay. I I thought that I would uh, drop by and give you a call and give me a plug on my own book.
2: Oh well, we <laughs> we appreciate it. We hope everybody uh, goes to Amazon and orders the book, The Devil's Alibi, by Maurice Desjardins. Hey. And we want you to come back for a show that we want to do some at some point, where we're going to invite a couple of our uh, mentors, our our people who really got us into the field. And being Matt Moniz's mentor, we definitely want you to be a part of that. <laughs>
0: okay. I'd be more than
2: happy to. And you can explain to us what the hell went wrong. Oh, <laughs> once you let him go out into the world, what happened after that? I don't, I don't know. What He escaped me, you see. He escaped my
0: clutches. And once I lost contact with him, uh, he was nowhere to be found. And I think that was the way he wanted it.
3: it at that time, yeah, that was the way. I, but you did teach me well. And most people don't realize you're one of the first people that really started Doing paranormal research you know back in the sixties long long before it was really popular
0: I found the best way to go about this subject by the way is to keep a very low a profile, profile.
3: <laughs> yeah. and that's what I had done for many years, just like you
0: there you go, I know and now you've exploded into a new comet there, <laughs> and by the way, of course you know about the Holmes comet,
3: yeah, I find that ironic
0: isn't it isn't it quite ironic <laughs> uh, some people are calling it uh the Blue Kachina, also, you know.
3: Yeah, it's a million times larger than the sun.
0: And, uh, yeah, and but the the, oh. the Hopi, do you realize that the Hopi predicted the Blue Kachina?
3: Yeah, but that will be a story for another
6: show. <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: No, but that is it. But the very point is that this comet is has this blue look to it, and you know that could mean what uh, is what is the portents. Of the coming,
3: the coming of the end of times. Yes, that is what the hope he had predicted.
2: Okay, later. Now <laughs> <laughs> right, that well, you've got everybody scared, Maurice, thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope
3: so.
2: Well, we'll definitely I talk to.
0: That's what co- show's all about, is it? <laughs> well, right. we're, we're trying to
2: inform them with a little bit of a spooky edge, not send them <laughs> off the deep end.
0: Well, you call yourself spooky, south <laughs> east, of, you well be southeast, south, as deep, south, 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 south coast, of whoever. So. Hey, why not be spooky? (laughs) Sure.
2: I'll I'll have trouble sleeping tonight, but thank you very much, Mark. My
0: pleasure, gentlemen. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Good night.
2: All right, we will take a break. When we come back on the other side, we have a guest in the studio with us who's going to talk to us a little little bit about his personal experiences with the paranormal. And we also have some announcements for you as well about an upcoming uh, event with the Telephone to the Dead. And an upcoming free lecture at Cape Cod Community College. So stay tuned, we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast.
6: Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back.
2: Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And thank you to Maurice Schardens for calling in and sharing with us uh, about H.H. H. Holmes. And if they do make a ma- major motion picture of that, then we're definitely going to have to blow it up into a whole two-hour episode because we definitely could.
3: Oh, he's definitely – most people don't realize that this guy is the most prolific serial killer I've ever known, and he, nobody knows about him. I mean, they estimate you know a couple hundred people he killed.
2: That's, that's just crazy. <laughs> that's and, and as our guest here in the studio is saying, pure evil. That's, yeah. that's all that it is. But well, we do have somebody here in the studio with us, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mario. We'll we'll keep your last name secret so that, you know, because we want you to share openly with us uh, what your experiences were. A few weeks ago, if you remember, we did a show on UFOs, and he called in to share with us an experience he had in 1981 and some sub- subsequent sightings that he had after that. Uh, but he came in tonight to show us some drawings that he had made and some artwork. And first of all, great work. <laughs> Aside from having the experiences, that's, that's some very nice work, uh... It must be hard to kind of express what it is when you're seeing something that yeah, you can't quite explain to express it in art that it's way.
6: Very, it's very emotional. It's like, uh, it was an amazing thing to see. Uh, you know, you, you see it on TV, you see UFO specials on TV, and mm-hmm. then you see it in real life. It's It changes you forever. Well, this sighting was, and the reason I'm here is because I'm hoping somebody out here in the South Coast or uh, New Bedford, call in or some other time and say that they they did see some something at sure. this time. The year was nineteen eighty one. It was in the fall and it was on a Saturday night. And uh me, my wife and a friend we were just walking uh there, uh there was a there was a store, uh Sunny Brook near yeah, Bro uh Brookline Park. Mm-hmm. Went there to buy stuff and we walked to her house Basin West towards Chamberlain's on Church Street. That's where the airport is. And uh, you always see lights above Chamberlain's, you know, the airplanes. Sure. Yeah. Well, that night, I saw a blue light, and I, you know, I started saying, it looks like a UFO joking around. And before you know it, it was, you know, it turned out to be a UFO. It was right underneath it. My wife and her friend ran away, and you know, that whole experience changed my Changed that up my whole life. I, I'm still talking about it today, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping that peop- other people saw it because there was talk the next day about a blimp over the city. And uh, even I, there was something in the paper, I think, about a blimp. I went back, I went to the library to look up that if there was a blimp report on the Standard Times, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't find anything. But uh, I'm just hoping that. Somebody out there, you know, had seen that, and I had other sightings, and to me, UFOs are real. I don't know what they are. I mean, I don't know if it's another planet or dimension, but what I saw was something that didn't belong here.
2: Yeah, and that couldn't be explained. We also have a number of UFO investigators that listen to the show as well, and maybe they've had reports from people in this area at that time that just haven't come forward publicly. Uh, also, if you're a UFO investigator and you've heard some of these reports, call in and share. The number is 508-996-0500, 508 500 And if you are listening to this on podcast at a later time, SpookyCrew at com, and we have your email, Mario. We can pass on any information that we get. But now this kind of opened your eyes to it, and you saw other events in, in, yeah, in the uh, future.
6: Ever since that happened, I've always looked, you know, looked around and and then in the 90s I really it, there was a lot of talk you know, I guess it was the Roswell 50th anniversary in the Yeah day. 1997 was the yeah. 50th anniversary around that time you had the Phoenix and Phoenix Sight and all yeah, that Phoenix stuff and I got I, I really got it, I had my video camera I carry my camera with me every day People like you know I'd go for a walk with my dog but you know I never caught anything but I've had at the sight my second sighting was at uh in Carver at Eaterville, fishing, bass fishing on boats, beautiful day, summer day. And I just uh, happened to look up and saw like three diamond shaped objects, just like flickering. Like. And I look up and I'm like, I just saw them there. And then uh, when I called my cousin to look up, they just vanished like that. And I knew I had seen something, you know, it was just it was like it was in 1994. That was my second sighting. Then in 1997, as I was uh, getting home from work at 1120, back my car in the driveway, this was on Windsor Street in Fairhaven, Mm -hmm. looking south. I mean, I always look up, Closing the gate, look up. This object came out of the clouds, like speeding, and just stopped like it saw me and then back into another cloud. And I was like, I started shaking. I, I went up woke up my wife she was asleep at the time I started crying I was like now I was like you know, I've been looking all those years yeah for another just looking for validation for you I saw that you know the first you know81 in 81, I, even though I've seen it it's just you know I still I keep reading books about it and it affected you deeply oh yeah oh. uh yes I uh, uh, actually I I don't know yeah, well, it really did. It, it's understandable. Yeah.
2: <laughs> do, do you think that it was just that you were more attuned to it now, and so you were looking for it and you'd see it because it was there anyway? Yeah, I, or do you think that it was trying to maybe send you a message that you did see it and we are here?
6: Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's, and, but then the deciding the I had after that, I was on my computer on uh, Jeff Renzi's uh, site. Yeah,
2: the mm-hmm. site.
6: Okay. You know, shut down the computer. I go do my daily check at night look out the window I'm like the heck is that it's like it looks like a bag a uh, plastic bag floating around and I look at it and uh it turns out to be a ball of light and I'm like I can't believe this and it, it came towards my my right towards me mm-hmm. and it looked like you saw me I could feel it uh, like it went like this and it just vanished it just went uh Behind the houses, and uh, I was like, "Wow, I I didn't want to tell these all I, I I've told people my first sighting, but to tell them that you had another one and another and another one, then they start thinking, you know, this guy, you know.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, but yeah, I,
6: I mean, that I my coworkers they know that I have sightings by talking at work. I found that like like one out of five people, one out of five one, people will talk about family it. Family or a cousin, I've heard stories about right in West Island. Mm-hmm. Two guys driving uh, down Scotta Connect and uh, this ball of light went right through their car. They they stopped the car and the ball just went right through their car. That's a story I heard. Another story was this kid was out, he went outside to smoke uh, on West Island, he goes outside to smoke. There was a big party going on, I guess it was like drugs and all that stuff. He goes out, big spaceship over his house runs in the house to call everybody out you know they all go out it's not, it's not there now now they they're all out you know saying he was tripping or yeah, whatever. you know
1: yeah,
6: yeah. and that this all stories like that. there's a story from Freetown that a co-worker of mine he was, uh, was from Puerto Rico and I by talking about my, my experience and he he's talked about one yeah, it's like in Puerto Rico there, there's a lot of sightings there I mean there's a lot of family if you talk people they, they was have somebody in the family that seen something, but here, he worked at Cranberry cranberry Boggs in Freetown, and I guess there's a machine to go over the bogs the, the beater, yeah, yeah it's, it goes kind of fast yeah. fast, well he was he was on it one day working, and uh, he said this ball of light followed him he was he was going like, I don't know how fast they go, but he was going pretty fast, and the ball of light stayed by his side and uh and he th- uh, he told me that his best friend had died a couple of days before, and he felt that I was his friend.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: So uh, that story was, like, it was amazing. And it, uh, there's a lot of stuff from Freetown that's <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about Freetown. Well, but,
2: uh, let me just throw out a plug for our friend Chris Balzano's book, Dark Woods, uh, Cult, yeah. Crime, and Paranormal in the Freetown yeah. State Forest. We had he we had him on last week and his his yeah, book I've heard, I, I've heard, yeah. I just finished his book and just incredible I mean I knew a lot of the stories um, from talking with Chris having him on the show and but just some of the stuff that's in the book that I hadn't even heard and UFO sightings there's there's something in that area that yeah. just amplifies everything is so, this
6: something called a, a Bridgewater Triangle that, yeah that, and that's
2: right right at Right yep. at the heart of the expanded Bridgewater Triangle is the Freetown State the, Forest. They, they
6: have the ledge, something called the ledge. The ledge, yep. no you have at I, ledge. I, I went there with my family and with my son, my daughter, and my wife. It's I pretty to, high, isn't it? No, well, I didn't. I went there and I put it in the parking lot, and I had to get out of there. I don't know what it was. I got scared. I just, I, let, I couldn't go. I, I've always heard about it. How beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. It is pretty, but. Just by pulling in, I had this creepy feeling. I don't it's know It's also why. A,
2: a prime target for the cults too. That's one of their meeting yeah, places. Yeah, that's
6: what it was because I had heard about, you know, the cults there, and <laughs> just by going in there, I, I, I well,
2: Matt, Matt Cossie, you were with me when we went to the Sonal Ledge. We went together uh, yeah. about a year ago, and and I was thoroughly creeped out the whole time we were there. Oh,
4: yeah.
6: Well, I mean, there's a it's a steep drop, but just the whole
2: there. area around yeah. it, it too.
6: Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, as soon as I pulled up. Uh, I just didn't feel comfortable. It's, so didn't
4: did not hear somebody, uh, uh, teenager, died. Yeah,
2: recently, recently, yeah. like in the past few past couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. So I, mean, I, they, then,
4: the, uh, I think it was just some some kids partying and they uh, fell off. Yeah, or? fell off. They fall off of that. that? Yeah, yeah like you would like die. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely <laughs>
6: well because everybody <laughs> thinks it's deep like it's water, years but ago it's not was some five, five years not ago, there was a kid missing. He fell off the.
3: I mean, this this cliff face, and that's exactly what it is, is a cliff mm-hmm. face, actually. According to the people of Freetown, it was part of a quarry. It was, uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that would explain why the water underneath is all, all very deep. But the, that cliff face edge, it has to be at least 100 feet, well, if not
2: higher. The problem is, is a lot of people will jump off of it thinking that, you know, they know that it's deep. But it's not deep as soon as you drop. There's still no. some jagged rocks coming from that right. cliff that you're gonna nail if you don't land just right.
3: Yeah, there are people that you gotta jump off it at the right spot. Yep. You jump off it at the wrong spot and you know, some of that rock down at the bottom extends twenty, thirty feet out.
2: Yep. Well there uh I mean if if you've had any experiences that similar to uh, what Mario's talking about, definitely let us know. Spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And we'll be sure to pass it on, and maybe we can start cataloging a lot of this stuff. And I know Matt Moniz, he's working on a couple of projects, but he can start keeping a record of this um, so that we can get it all documented. And anybody that's had a UFO experience or any kind of paranormal experience, please let us know, even if you're not comfortable sharing it on the air, uh, because we do need to, to document it, catalog it. For our own research and for the research of our colleagues from MassCrossroads.com, for GhostVillage.com, UFOVillage.com.
3: You never know. Somebody else may have seen the same thing just from a different angle. How would you like to know if what you saw was also seen by other people?
2: Or it can be explained because somebody else knows the explanation for it. All right, well, let's take our last break of the night. When we come back, we'll try and hook up with our friend over at the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast. We'll find out if there's anything more going on besides floating picture frames and slowing down clocks. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
5: Who's that I see walking in these woods? Why, it's Little Red Riding Hood. Hey there, Little Red Riding Hood. You sure are looking good. You're everything.
1: Big, bad wolf All right, welcome back to Skippy South me. Coast. Red
2: and, uh, right hopefully our friend over at Lizzie Boyd can give us a call. She might be busy poking around and there might be something going on she's in the middle of. But uh, maybe uh, she can let us know, shoot us an email, MySpace message. She knows how to get a hold of us. And uh, she can let us know during the week. A couple of announcements that I want to make uh, real quickly before we go. Uh, again, Wednesday, December 12th, that is this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, there's a live chat going on with paranormal investigator Christopher Moon and the telephone to the dead, the highly controversial telephone to the dead. And we talked about this last week here on the show with Michelle Babs-Babiars, who is running this online chat uh, through her website, dot com. And so many people are attacking the whole way that this is set up because of the $25 charge to get into this chat which Babs told us last week, is to offset her time and money spent in putting the event together. So let's just reiterate one more time, uh, whether you approve of the telephone of the dead, whether you think Chris Moon is trying to scam people out of money, you have to understand one thing. This $25 charge to participate is coming from Michelle herself, not from Chris Moon, to cover the cost of running and promoting the event. Chris Moon is not getting any money for this event. He's not taking a fee. He's not charging a fee. Uh, none of the money is going to him. So just so that we're clear on that, so that everybody knows. Uh, at the same time, in the interest of, of fairness and and uh, you know balanced uh, reporting here, we also say to people, twenty-five dollars, you know, is also to keep the knuckleheads out, as as Michelle said last week. Uh, but at the same time, if 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 it's not too steep of a price for you, and you want to find out more about this device. I see it as no different as paying to take a, a class at, like, South Coast Learning and investigating the paranormal. Um, that's just my opinion. I can say that because I've seen the box in action, and I think it would be worth $25 to somebody who hasn't to be able to see it in action.
3: I'm still waiting to get close enough to see it work.
2: That's a different story. That's a whole other thing, and I, I don't want to get into that without Chris being on the other line. That's That's just my opinion on that. Uh, A lot of people have been throwing that out there this week on a lot of message boards and MySpace bulletin postings and everything where they want Chris. uh, There's one gentleman from Quantum Paranormal who has a great plan in place to run the box uh, in, his name is Mike by the way, in a controlled laboratory environment with blinds and he's got the whole thing set up and he's invited Chris to participate and Chris has apparently refused. I don't want to say for sure because I don't know if he just ignored the request or if he full out refused the request but there has been a motion made to do that so the option is there uh, and something has to be done to calm people's uh, fears and their skepticism about whether or not this device is legitimate chris is actually against the idea of taking some of these radio shack radios and manipulating them and some of the things we talked about last week just because of the danger level of having all these portals open but you know that's the kind of thing that's going to get people into the idea Watch the videos. They're on our website, com on the blog. Watch how they turn these little $25 Radio Shack radios into, quote-unquote, bo- ghost boxes. Buy one. Do it for yourself. See what happens. And then if you are interested in the course that it's taking you, the the direction that it's taking you in your investigation, then certainly go forward with uh, researching the telephone or buying a mini box or whatever.
3: If anything, they're just another tool that you can add into the arsenal, whether it is truly effective or not, well,
2: and even if it is a whole big crock, it looks cool coming out of the you know coming out of the backpack when you go on an investigation. <laughs> but seriously, that that event is happening Wednesday, December twelfth at nine p.m. Go to the Psi Network, the psinetwork.com, dot com, for more information. Also coming up uh, this week as well, this Friday. Let me find my paper here. Sorry, I thought I had everything in order. But uh, this Friday at Cape Cod Community College. There will be a CAPERS uh, open meeting, the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society. Join Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society lead investigator Cheryl Sabin as she presents Dowsing and the Paranormal. Remember hearing your grandmother talk about hiring a dowser to find the water when they went to dig a well? Dowsing goes back to ancient times. It's been a method of divination to use to find water, assist to where to place buildings, where sites of ritual should be held, where burial grounds should be located, by healers of decades to locate areas of the body and chakras that need attention, etc., etc, et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. That will be uh, Friday, December 14th, 2007, Lecture Hall B at Cape Cod Community College from 7 to 9 p.m. The event is free, but donations are appreciated. For details, call Derek Bartlett at 508-771-2725 or write the Society at capers.com, C-A-I-P-R-S.com. And one final announcement. This Monday night at 10 p.m. on A&E Network, it is the premiere of Paranormal State Join Ryan Buell and the investigators of the Penn State Research Society as they go on a, a bunch of different adventures. I mean, this this series is going to be uh, new and different. It's going to be unlike other uh, paranormal shows that you've seen on television. And plus, you know, these guys are all, they're all a bunch of cool guys. I mean, uh, Topher is, is, is somebody who's been uh, in our chats when we had our Spooky South Coast chats. And they, the perspective that they bring to the paranormal, are very grounded, but they ask a great deal of questions. And so I'm really interested in seeing where their investors go where their investigators go with these investigations for the television show. Ten PM A and E Paranormal State. We'll talk to those guys somewhere down the line. Next week we'll be back at six PM, special primetime show before NFL football. We will talk to author Mark Shapiro, the author of Exposed. We'll talk about the tainted products. We're calling it our very tainted Christmas. Because we're going to find out about all the tainted products that are out there, what to avoid. Uh, what regulations are being put in place? Why America is falling behind as an economic superpower because the European Union is way ahead of the curve on some of these regulations. And then the week after that, the Star of the Magi will slap religion right across the face by talking to astrologer and author Courtney Robert. I'm just kidding. We're not really going to slap religion in the face. We're just going to give you a little bit more of the story behind the Star of Bethlehem. It'll be a, a very festive holiday show. We'll drink some eggnog, spike with something, and uh, we'll have a, a fine time. So, from Matt Costa, from Matt Moniz, for all of our guests who joined us tonight, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.
0: Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems, or at least until yesterday begins again.
1: Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow,
0: tomorrow, tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.